Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I like to tell people is that you have already survived 100% of your your bad days. Even your absolute worst day, you've survived that. And if that day happens to be today, that today is your worst day, well, guess what? Tomorrow's another day. And and tomorrow will be better than today. And and each day after that will continue to get better if you work towards it. So don't give up. Get the help if you need it. But definitely don't give up and, and keep keep fighting another day. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so... This podcast is for you. you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on in on this snowy day here in Tennessee, right outside of Nash, Vegas, Tennessee, where I live. And boy, it's cold out there. We got like five inches of snow. Hey, People in our, our area, we get half an inch. We freak out. We buy all the bread and milk and eggs and butter and everything. And all the stores, they love this time of year because we spend a lot of money so we can be locked up indoors for two days. And so they really love it. And so, uh, yeah, we're they were, once they were calling one to three inches, now it's three to six. Woo, we're going to be shut down for two or three days here in, in Nashville, Tennessee. All right. So today, again, our topic, our, our thing is... We want to inspire the people to be able to get through today, get through something to help them know that there's still life worth living. And we talk about, you know, people's struggles, people's adversities, people's challenges. And hopefully you get something out of it that will give you some hope to be able to inspire and motivate it. Then when you get through the other end, you'll be able to help someone else in the future. I'm Dr. James Purdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Today, our guest is an Afghanistan veteran. All right. His story, being there, but also including the loss of his brother while being over there in Afghanistan. So welcome to the show, Scott Delugio. Thank you for, very much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show and, and share my story. Well, and I tell people, thank you for sharing your valuable time, because we know time is valuable, but sharing your journey, your story, that way you can help someone else in the future as well. So we appreciate you being here, Scott. All right. Thank you. Hey, now, all right. It's uh, your story, your platform. You start where you think you need to. It's a uh, uh, pertinent to go from there. And uh, I want to ask one question, you know, why did you get into military? Is it because dad did it and the granddad for him and the dad for him? And or is it all of a sudden, you know, I've heard multiple people say because of 9-11, they hopped in and, yeah, was, you know, because of that. So you just take off of there. Yeah, it was a little combination of that. So my, my grandfather was in the Navy in World War II. And so there was a little bit of military history, but it, it was one of those things where it skipped a generation. So my parents' generation, uh, neither one of my parents served in the military. Um, they were uh, just young enough that they missed the Vietnam draft by, I, I want to say it was like about a year, something like that. So, um, but they they saw from their friends that they went to school with, people in their neighborhood, other 
other people that they knew who had gone overseas to Vietnam and saw just how terrible the the life was that they had to live with. And some of them, uh, they, they didn't come home and, and things like that. So they knew, uh, what military service entailed just from, from, um, talking to those people and, and hearing those stories from, from those people who came, came back, uh, different people really from, from what they left as. Um, but they, they respected their service and they, they appreciated the, the service and the sacrifices that these people made. And fast forward a few years, uh, my brother and I were, were born and, uh, we were brought up in a very patriotic family. Uh, we we were brought up to respect the military, respect the first responders, um, to look up to them, and 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 uh, the same basically the same way that people uh, would look up to a Michael Jordan or or you know some other celebrity uh-huh. or sports yeah. star, things like that. So that's that's kind of how how we were brought up. Um, and then and fast forward a few more years and then uh, 9/11 uh, happened and i was in college at the time when when 9/11 uh, happened and my brother was still my younger brother he was still in high school um it was just the two of us but um uh, he was in high school i was in college and um i i was just so angry at the whole situation that i considered just dropping out of school right then and there and joining the military because i knew there was going to be some sort of military response and i wanted to be a part of that um, but after I slept on the decision, I didn't want to make any rash decisions or anything. And I, I slept on it and I said, you know, what? if I, knowing myself, if I drop out now, I'm not coming back to finish. So That's I might right. as well, I might as well come just, just stay, stick with it, uh, get through college. And then if make a decision afterwards, if I still want to join the military afterwards, I, I certainly can do that. At least I'll have my education behind me and I'll, I'll have that to, to work with. So, uh, so that's what I did. Uh, I, I, Graduated college, started working a civilian job, and uh, didn't really put too much more thought into the the military. Um, and then the same year that I graduated college, my my brother decided to join the Vermont Army National Guard. He was going to school up in Vermont, and he knew a guy who was in the the National Guard up there, and um, he he decided that that sounded like the thing that he wanted to do. So he joined the National Guard, and then all of a sudden. Uh, almost overnight, my little brother, the the person who all of our lives, he was looking up to me as the bigger brother. I started looking up to him as one of those people that, that we grew up to, to respect and look up to and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a, a neat transformation that, that took place there. Um, and then about a year after that, I heard a report in the news saying that the military was struggling to meet their recruiting numbers. And that just got under my skin and it really angered me. And I said, what happened to all those people after 9-11 who were ready to move mountains to go and, and get revenge and, and payback and all that kind of stuff? And you know, where did all those people go? And then I realized I was those people. I, I mm. That was me. You know, I was ready to just drop out of school right then and there. And I still hadn't done anything about it. And so I said, well, you know what? I have no reason not to, I have nothing but excuses and I am young enough. I'm fit enough. I was, I was in my early twenties. There's no reason not to join the military. Um, and so I did, um, I, I, I just made up my mind then and there. I, w- I was going to do it. I actually called up my brother and I said, you know, t- try to talk me out of it. Give me all the negatives, all the the reasons why I shouldn't join the, the military. And, and he gave me all the, all the, the typical reasons, you know, you're, you, you got a good career, you got all this stuff, you know, and, and I didn't care about any of that stuff. I, I wanted to, um, 
I just wanted to to serve my country and give back to my country. Uh And so, so that's what I did. Um, I I went down to the recruiter's office and I think I was probably the easiest sell he ever had uh, because (laughs) I basically just said, where's the paperwork and and let me sign, (laughs) you know, and it it, it was just really uh, that, that quick for me. Um, uh, it, it was it was a uh, pretty quick process for for me to get in, um, and I, I knew what I wanted to do. I, I knew you know all that that kind of stuff. So it it really didn't take too long for me to get in. So, um, you know, I I joined the Connecticut Army National Guard. Uh, again, my brother was in the Vermont Army National Guard, and um, the the two of our units wound up uh, falling under the same brigade, and in 2010, that's when um, our our units were deployed to Afghanistan. Um, it was a brigade wide deployment, so all of us went. Um, so my brother's unit, my unit, we all we all went uh, together. Um, we weren't stationed in the same exact location. We're we're both in eastern Afghanistan, but um, but not the same exact location where we would necessarily be able to see each other uh, on a regular basis or anything. So mm-hmm. that's kind of kind of a little bit of the backstory of you know how I got into the military. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're s- several miles away, but not close enough to really see each other. But right, you knew exactly. you were close enough. Uh, you, but you knew you were close enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, not not we that you can the... do anything. It's not that you can do anything going a couple of miles back and forth. But you know, we right. went like on one side of Afghanistan, and then you know, two thousand miles, wherever away somewhere else. Y'all are close, but not close. Yeah. Right, exactly. And and the the country of Afghanistan is roughly land area wise roughly the size of Texas. And so it's um it, okay, it would be I'm like I'm glad as, you as, said that. I I didn't realize I, I was imagining you know Afghanistan being huge the way right. you know they talk about it. I didn't realize I'm glad you gave that as a visual about the size of Texas. That's that's okay. Yeah. Okay, good, good. The the difference though is the mountains there are intense. Uh they mm-hmm. so so if you were to, you know, get in your car and drive across the state of Texas, you you probably could do that. Um, you know, relatively. I mean, it's a lo- it's a big state. It's a it's a long distance that you'd have to drive, but you could do that relatively easy. There's highways that go straight across the country. Uh, in Afghanistan, the way the mountains are, there's very few roads that just go straight across anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are just a lot of dirt roads, and the paved roads that they have aren't even all that great. Um, and and so. And then they run into these big giant mountains and they kind of just have to stop. You can't drive over these things. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so even though we weren't that far uh, geographically away from each other, there was no uh, realistic way for us to, to get to yeah, each other other than that, flying yeah. on a hel- helicopter or something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, so brothers, uh, you know, within a couple of miles, you're there. You know, finally break off. There's a, gunfire war part going on now and so how how did this go about and your brother is you know passing yeah so uh, i guess i'll start with with my my brother's passing and then i'll I'll go into kind of how i found out about it and everything like that yes yes yes, so so his unit was out on a mission uh patrolling a village nearby their base and they they were had been to this village before. So they, they knew that there was enemy uh, people in there and they knew kind of what to expect when they're going in. And the way that the village was laid out was it's uh, kind of at the base of a hill. 
And so they, the way they had to come in was uh, kind of staggered going up along the hill and, and working their way around it. And um, as, as they were approaching the village, they walked into an ambush where the, the enemy started t- uh, shooting at, at them. Um, so they did what they were trained to do. They, they went for cover, they returned fire, all that kind of stuff. Um, and in the very early initial shots of, of this, um, uh, this ambush, my, my brother went to turn around to go yell something to someone who was kind of behind him off to the side a little bit. And, um, as he, as he was about to start speaking, his head kind of jerked back and he just slumped backwards, uh, mm. and kind of fell back. And, um, that the shot that hit him uh, killed him pretty much instantly. Um, it, there was, uh, yeah. there's nothing really anyone could do. Obviously they, they call for the medics and stuff and they tried to save him, but there wasn't anything really that they could do. So that mission turned into a recovery mission because uh, anyone who's ever served will, will know that you never leave a fallen soldier behind. Um, and so they, they had to try to get him out of there, um, which made the, the combating the, this, this firefight that they found themselves in even harder because not only did, did they not have my brother's gun to be shooting back, uh, you know, he wasn't able to shoot back mm-hmm. uh, at the enemy, but the four people were, who were carrying him out also weren't able to shoot back either. Oh, so yeah, there was yeah, now yeah. five people out of, out of the maybe 35 or 40 people who were there who were no longer able to shoot back. And so everyone else had to kind of pick up the pace. Um, to make matters worse, one of the soldiers who was uh, helping to carry my brother out, uh, he was wounded as well. Uh, as he was carrying my brother out and, and he ended up uh, being killed as as well. And so uh, that, that made the matters even worse because now instead of five people who couldn't shoot back, now they had 10 people who couldn't shoot back because they, they were all trying to carry uh, these guys out of there. And so what they ended up doing was they saw a, uh, a building at the base of this hill that they were on. And because the terrain over there is so rough and jagged uh the rocks are so loose and and sharp um they were slipping everywhere and and they weren't making much progress so what they decided to do was just use gravity and slide down the hill uh to to the roof of this house which was literally built into the mountain that that they were on and uh then they cleared that building and used that as a uh kind of a a safe area to to have a little bit of cover um between Mm -hmm. them and the enemy um and then they could kind of regroup and figure out what they needed to do to to get out of there, and and so that that's what they ended up doing. Um, and eventually, they did they made it out of there. No no further casualties or a few injuries, but no no other casualties uh, outside of the, those two American. Uh, and there was one Afghan casualty. They they were with the Afghan uh, border police, uh, and one of them were, were killed as well. Um, now, when when uh, that same day, uh, I was out on a mission as well in a in another village in a different uh, area, um, and so we were working our way through the village and and doing what we needed to do um, in in that village. But I ended up later on in the day, I ended up getting a call on on the radio from my commanding officer. And uh, anyone who knows anything about the chain of command, they they realize that the commanding officer usually doesn't go directly down to one of his soldiers. He usually works through the chain of command through to the other levels to to pass a message along. But when he was calling on the radio, looking specifically for me, um, I thought to myself, either something really incredible happened or something really terrible happened. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And I 
And I couldn't think of anything great that I had done that day. I mean, I had done my job, but nothing extraordinary that, that would warrant, you know, that kind of recognition or anything. So, um, so I was like, okay, what, what got messed up? What, what went wrong? What happened? Mm -hmm. and I was racking my brain trying to figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Right. So eventually I linked up with the, the commanding officer and, and he tells me, um, that my, my brother's unit had been ambushed and that my brother had been hit. Now, now up until this point throughout this whole deployment, and this was about, uh, six months into the deployment, it never crossed my mind that my brother would be either injured or killed at all. It, I, yeah. I knew it was a, I mean, I knew it was a possibility for just about everybody, but never did it cross my mind for him because I think as the older brother, I just have that ingrained in me that I would need to protect him. And if I let myself think that I, I wouldn't be able to do my own job. And so I it, kind of as a self-preservation preservation type thing, I, I needed to almost fool myself into thinking that nothing bad could possibly happen to him. So when I was told that he was hit, uh, I was thinking that he was just injured. And so I said, yeah. okay, well, what are the logistics? How do, how do I get there to be with him, uh, to, you know, a little moral support if he needs uh, something like a blood donation or if he needs a organ that, that yeah, I can, yeah. you know, provide for him, you know, let me get there to him and, and let me, let me be there with him. Um, but what I didn't realize was that he was killed and yeah. there was no, no way to save him. So, um, like anybody else, I, I broke down. I was, I was a complete mess at that point. Um, but within about, uh, I'd, I'd say about 20 minutes of finding out that my brother was killed, our own unit started taking fire from the village that we had just come out of. And, and we, we were found ourselves in a firefight as well. Um, and I realized that I had about 10 soldiers or so that, that I was directly responsible for. And, I, I was so infuriated that I wanted to, I wanted to just go and go kill anybody who was shooting. I was going to say, I, I wanted to just go do it. that village. Exactly. That I, I, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I had a, for a fleeting moment, I just had, I had this, this vision of myself running back down this, this mountain and, and going in there and just killing any, anyone I saw. But I, I realized because I had those 10 guys that were relying on me for leadership, uh, I couldn't just leave them or or even lead them into doing something stupid like that because we wouldn't yeah. have made it out. I mean, that that just would have would have been a terrible situation. Yeah. Um, and I I couldn't face their families and say, hey, the reason why your your loved one isn't here is because I I lost my cool and I I flipped out and they followed me or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um but then I was also thinking about my parents and my wife and I had a newborn child at home. Um and I didn't want any of them to have to go through this a second time that same day, you know, yeah. the, to have my parents lose a second son, to have my wife become a widow and my son to grow up without a father, but just because I couldn't keep my head in the game. So uh, what I ended up doing was just putting those personal issues aside and, and said, you know, I, I can't keep thinking about this right now. I have to focus on the mission yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. what I'm, yeah, what yeah. I'm here for. Um, there'll be a whole lifetime to grieve and, you know, I, I'll, I'll use every, every second of that if I, if I need to, but right now I, what I need to do is, is fight and keep my, my men safe and, and myself safe, um, to the, to the best of my ability. And so that's, that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Um, you had to, had to shut down your emotions at that time yeah. to get level headed again and, and while you're really there, 
uh, yeah, because the emotions would have got you killed and the other 10. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah it, so. it, it definitely would have. Yeah. Well, so. it's, it's, it's remarkable that going through all that. So, and I appreciate your service and uh, your brother's service and anybody else that serves. I don't care what ca ca capability, capacity. Uh, really appreciate it because all of you, I said, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much you know, but uh, Scott, but I'm, I'm in a wheelchair, got my neck broke playing football two weeks into college. And so, but it's because of all of you and your services, past people and people coming in the future is why I can do a show like this to help other people, yeah. you know, because well, if I, we didn't have all of you fighting for our freedoms, we would be in a dictatorship or whatever, something that's going to limit us more than I'm already limited. And so right. I thank you for giving me a better life than I would have or could have imagined when I got uh, paralyzed. And you and your brother and everyone else, again, from the past and to the future and today. So, yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I, I um, you know, I, res I respect that that kind of uh, 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 thought process that goes through people's heads because we, we've come a long way from like the Vietnam era where, where soldiers were coming home and getting spit on and called baby killers and all these other kind of crazy names and stuff. And, and I, I feel really fortunate and blessed that I served during a time where that wasn't the, uh, the mindset of the, the general public. And it's more, more people like yourself who, uh, who have that appreciation and respect. And I, I think that that's, yeah. that's something that, that, we've we've done right as a society uh over, over the years sad sad thing for me on the part uh you know when you when you turn 18 in our country men are supposed to go register for you know military not that you're being drafted anymore like it used to be but you're supposed to register right. and i was one of them that not that i didn't believe in war because i knew we needed war to keep things calm and level and you know peaceful mm -hmm. as best i understand that but I've never shot a gun other than a little cap gun when I was a kid. And yeah. I, I mean, I would fight at a drop of a hat fist fight, but I didn't care to join or do anything. So uh, I, I, I ended up going like the very 30th day that you had to register <laughs> and someone tricked me and get me over there to sign up. So they wouldn't come get me later, you know? Right. And, and so, uh, but, but again, not that I'm in for it, but I'm glad there's people like you that are out there fighting for all of our freedoms and, and, and for us. And not to say I wouldn't have done my part if I would have drafted. I'm sure I would have because, again, I fought with my fist and dropped into a hat. But I've never, like I said, I've never shot a gun. And <laughs> and yep. so, but, uh, but again, for all everyone out there, I respect you uh, deeply and thank all of you for everything. Yeah, so um, I, I guess the the story kind of takes a little bit of a turn after uh, after coming back home. Um, so, um, you know, I I managed to get through that that day that firefight, and um, by putting my my emotions aside and and just kind of saying I'll, I'll deal with this later. Um, and when I came home, um, first thing that that happened was I got. Uh, met at the airport uh, by by my family. They they came to pick me up from the airport. And now hold, hold and, on, hold on here, Scotland. While I'm thinking, uh, yep. By the time when your brother got killed there, 
how much longer were you still in oh yeah service until you got home to have to deal with brother and mom and sister-in-law and everybody else yeah so it was i i was out of afghanistan in record speed like i don't think anybody gets out this quick unless you had like general stars on your on your chest or something you know mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um uh so i i was uh, so my brother was killed on a on a sunday um i left afghanistan the next morning on a monday um and it, i actually left on the same flight that my brother and the other soldier who was killed his name was tristan southworth um uh, i left on that same flight uh as them okay to to Kuwait and that's where where we had to part ways and I, I continued on my journey home and they they did some processing with the bodies that they do uh and and I don't know the specifics of everything that they had yeah. to do but um now let me ask this question what before you go is is this because the private Ryan story now that uh <laughs> you're the last brother surviving to to get you home so you're not all the kids from mom and dad is, it, is, it, is you, that why? You know, that's that's not exactly why. Um, I think my uh, my the leadership in my my chain of command they they knew that uh, I wasn't really fit to continue fighting at that that time, and okay, I needed okay. to to be home with my my family. Um, yeah. But uh, coincidentally, the the title of the book surviving son comes from an army regulation called surviving sons and daughters. We have a and, picture of that on the YouTube here. It's a surviving yep. son, a picture, nice, nice looking photo uh, cover. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so the, the army regulation surviving sons and daughters, uh, has to do with, um, not necessarily the sole surviving son, the way you would think about it from saving private Ryan, but, uh, it, it's really for anybody who had a, uh, a family member, be it a sibling or a, a parent or, or something like that, an immediate family member who was killed in the military, the way my brother was, um, it allows them to get out of the, the military, uh, to get out of their, their service. So, um, so that's what I ended up uh, doing. And, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that's what I ended up doing to get out of the military so that I wouldn't end up getting deployed again and, and stuff like that, because I, it would be too much for me to handle too much for my family to handle. And, mm-hmm. and I knew it just wouldn't be the right, right move for us. But um, going back to that, that timeline of how I yeah. got out of the country. So my brother was killed on the Sunday. Uh, I flew out of Afghanistan Monday morning. Um, I was home in the United States uh, on Tuesday. And so that was about as quick as you can get, get home from there mm-hmm. just because of the, the distance we had, a um, from Kuwait, we flew to Germany, had a layover there. And then from Germany to Atlanta, Atlanta to Connecticut, where, where I lived, um, you know, just all those flights added up all that time. Um, that's about as quick as it could be. Um, I, I don't really think I could have gotten out of there too much quicker. Um, but that whole time, I so I was never left alone. I didn't realize it at the time, but they they actually had me uh, on a suicide watch just to make I sure that say, I didn't, uh, yeah. I didn't do anything to to harm myself. And not that I was suicidal at all, but you never know. Uh, and they, they aired on the side proactive. of caution. I'm sure exactly. they'd be proactive because they have seen it before. And yes. so yeah. now it's now it's just being proactive as part of protocol. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's all it was. It was, it was really just, uh, better safe than sorry. And they didn't want to 
risk losing me too and in, in having to yes. uh, having to deal with any of that. So um, so I never was left alone uh, at all, but uh, throughout that entire journey, but I had never felt more alone um, because I didn't really know any of the people. Um, you know, I, some of the people were just like, they, they knew a little bit about my situation. And, and so they were just keeping an eye on me, but I didn't really know them. And so I didn't really feel like I had anybody to talk to. And it was a very lonely feeling. Um, I wasn't allowed to call home at all until, uh, after I had left Afghanistan because they wanted to make sure that my, my parents and the family got notification, uh, back home, but through the proper channels and not okay, getting it through a five minute phone call from me, uh, you know, halfway around the world. So, um, so, and when I finally did get the call, I only was able to talk for about five, maybe 10 minutes, uh, at, at most. So, uh, it really wasn't like I, I got a good conversation in with them. It was really just, you know, how you doing? I'm on my way home. That's about all I can tell you now I'm, mm-hmm. on, I'm, I'm off. And, um, yeah, so, so that, that was the timeline there. Um, when I, when I got home, uh, like I was saying before, my, uh, my parents, my family, uh, met me at the airport and they were there with a state police officer who took us out kind of like, he said he was going to take us around another way because he said there were news vans lined up waiting for an interview. Uh, with me. And I was like, how the hell did they know (laughs) that I was even going to be there and all that stuff? They, I think they were just kind of camping out and, and just waiting for, wait for for anybody. Yeah, exactly. Wait for anybody, not necessarily you, or they knew about you. I think they knew, they knew about me and my, my brother's uh, situation, uh, how he had been killed. And so I think they're, they knew I was going to be home soon. So I think they just had somebody posted there just waiting for me to show up. And then they would jump on me when, when I got there. And so I, I was like, okay, that that's strange. Um, but then we went to my parents' house uh, straight from the airport and lined all up and down my parents' street were news vans from all yeah. the local television, radio, newspapers, all, all those things. And they were just sitting there waiting for an interview. And it got me really upset. Like I felt like these people were just vultures looking to pounce yeah. on a story yeah. and all that. And, and it, that just got on my nerves. And I didn't want to talk to them at all. Yeah, I'd but, been the same. I'd have been the same way. But then I I realized that they were going to run a story one way or the other, with or without me, with or without my family. And what did I really want for my brother? Uh, and, and what would I want if if I was in his shoes, in his situation? And um, you know, I would I wanted his story to be told the right way by the people who knew him. I didn't want a you know a ten second soundbite from some random person in a grocery store parking lot on their way home, yeah. you know, to say, "Oh yeah, it's tragic, yeah. it's sad, and all that kind of stuff." So I said, "No, I want to. I want them to know who he was and and what he was all about, and and paint that picture of of who he was." And and so we went and we did every interview that came by, and and we talked to every single person. Uh, didn't matter how big or small the, the publication was, we, we talked to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that helped to, to get his story out there and, yeah. and talk about who he was. Um, and then after the first couple of weeks, the, the media and the people who are reaching out, you know, all the, the people, whenever there's a loss that people always reach out, Oh, if there's anything I could do, just let me know all that kind of stuff. Those people started to fade away. And there was less and less people reaching out and less and less media that was reaching out. And it started to get, take a kind of a dark turn 
for for me and for you know a lot of our family and um you know uh, dealing with the grief was hard for me uh being able to pick that back up from where i left it during that firefight was really hard for me it, i i couldn't i couldn't uh figure out how to get that in in process the the grief anymore um and i also was dealing with uh ptsd i was I going had, to ask about ptsd yeah and and you know i didn't even realize it at the time you know i knew i was not quite myself but i was like you know what i just i literally got plucked off the battlefield and was home two days later so obviously i have some stuff to process but i'll be fine i'll, I'll just suck it up I'll, I'll deal with it and you know it'll be fine um but it wasn't fine and I progressively got worse and worse and worse. I, I was not sleeping at night. Um, I, I just couldn't sleep at all. And so um, in order to help myself get to sleep, I, I started drinking and I would get drink to the point where I'd pass out and that would get me to, to, to sleep that night. Then the next morning I'd w wake up hungover and I'd, I'd counteract that with a ton of coffee or energy drinks yeah. and, and that yeah. kind of stuff, the caffeine. Um, and that was okay. It worked for a little while. It got me, got me to sleep, got me up and, and I was okay. Um, but then I needed the coffee later and later and later in the day. And that started impacting my ability to fall asleep. And so it became this vicious cycle of not sleeping and then dealing with it in the, the wrong way. And, and it just, it really started to affect my, my mental state, uh, it affected my attitude and my emotions and everything. I was, I was getting angry really, really easily at the littlest of things, um, the things that I had no business getting angry about, like maybe minor, uh, inconvenience at, at best, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was full out, you know, screaming anger, you know, everything like that. And it just wasn't okay. And so my wife and I had a, had a talk one night and, and she was like, you know what, I, I thought you, this was something that you could maybe handle on your own. And, uh, you know, I've been watching you over the last you know few weeks and, and everything. And it just doesn't seem like, uh, you're getting back to be yourself again. And, and maybe you need to go get some help. And, and I, I had kind of come to that conclusion myself, but I, I don't know that I was strong enough to say that out loud. And, mm -hmm. and when she said that it kind of helped tip me over the edge and say, okay, you know what? Yeah. Maybe I do need to get some help. I didn't know anything about the therapy that was available through mm -hmm. the, the VA or anything like that. I didn't, I really had no idea. Um, I didn't know if I was going to pick up the phone call or, or pick up the phone and call and they were going to come and like send me to some you know mental institution or something and lock yeah. me away until I, I got better. I, I didn't know what it entailed. Uh, yeah. I didn't have a clue. Um, but I, I picked up the phone and called anyways, made an appointment and they were the nicest people. Uh, they, they checked with me to make sure, you know, that they, they had everything that they understood everything that was going on and, and they got me to the right people. And within, I think a couple of days I had an appointment and I, I went in, I, I talked to the guy and, and I ended up talking to the same guy for, for the better part of two years. Um, and I started to notice that, that some of the, the old symptoms, some of the anger and, and the and insomnia and all that kind of stuff were starting to get better. And, you know, they weren't hundred percent perfect, but they, they were getting better. And I, I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, I think I'm, I'm at a point where I can handle this on my own now. And, um, and so I stopped going to, to the appointments and, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be okay. And then a little while later, I noticed that I started slipping back into some of those old habits, some of the drinking and not sleeping and mm -hmm. all, all that stuff all over again. And it was just like a, 
uh, you know, just watching a rerun of the same show. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and it, yeah. It, it definitely was not what I wanted to to be doing. So I said, you know what? Maybe I I, I wasn't quite as far along as I, I thought I was, and maybe I need to go back and get some more help. And so I did. Uh, I went back to the VA, got uh, you know, got uh, into some new treatment, and and got got to talking to people that that were helping me along the way. And what it made me realize is that. Um, your your mental health and your physical health are uh, very similar. Where um, if you had a uh, broken arm, or if you had cancer, or or something like that, and you went to go to the doctor, no one would think twice about that. No one would be like, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, why would you? Why would you go to the doctor for that? Like that's that's just crazy. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. No, no one would. No one would do that. That's that's just not what people do. They you don't think about it that way, um, and. I think it's the same thing with, with mental health. If, if you have something that's, that's wrong and you're not able to cope with it and, and get through that issue on your own, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to go and talk to someone who can help you get through that. I mean, hey, you, do it man, for all sort, you do it for all sorts of things in your life. You do it for, uh, you know, it, when your, your car starts making that funky noise and you bring it into the mechanic or you go to get a haircut because if you, were to give yourself a haircut, you'd end up looking like a clown or something, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you go and do all these things. You trust these other people with all these other things in your life. But when it comes to probably, I would argue the most important part of your body, your brain, uh, then you're just like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll wing it and I'll figure it out on my own. Well, well we, that's not something- we, we grew up with the, the stigma that if you're yeah. seeing someone, you're crazy. And right. you know, we, we're not looking at the issues. We're just thinking yeah. because you're talking to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, man, they're crazy. And see, right. yeah, I can say that from experience and uh, because uh, I attempted suicide uh, three times in three days. That's how bad I wanted out. And so I had to see it because I grew up. You don't talk to people. You're crazy. Yeah. And right. so you hold all this in until you are crazy and you do something real bad. Okay. Right. So fortunately I lived through my attempts and saw a psychologist for a year. And I'm like you, we need to exercise our minds as much as we exercise our body physically. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause if we don't for have sure. a strong mind, it's a weak mind and there's no telling what's going to happen. And yeah, exactly. that stigma needs to be pushed out of the way and thrown away and people to be, Healthy as much as possible includes exercising and cleaning out your mind as well. It does. Yeah. Your your mind is such an important piece of the whole overall well-being. Um, you know, if you're if you're depressed and you're struggling to even get out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. and put on your clothes and take a shower and go to work and, and all that kind of stuff, then there's no way that you're gonna go and do any physical exercise and, and get exactly. into that physical strength. So, you know, you're, you're suffering in that aspect too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you're suffering all around and, and it's, it's not just you that's, that's going to suffer. It's going to be your relationships, your, your yeah, spouse, your kids, exactly. your, your relatives, your, your neighbors, uh, you know, all your friends and, and stuff like all those people are going to suffer as well. And those relationships are going to start to deteriorate and you're going to, isolate and you're going to feel alone and uh, you're, you're going to just start to feel worse and worse about yourself and, and the situation that you found yourself in. Um, and, and so, you know, taking care of that stuff, I think is just super important for, for everyone to, to do. And 
And just like you might go to the doctor annually for a physical for, um, you know, your, your regular physical health, um, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to go to a mental health professional for, uh, your, your mental health as well, Mm -hmm. for, for just a checkup, make sure things are, are on the right track and make sure that, that things aren't, uh, you know, stress at work or, uh, something going on in, in the family or whatever isn't building up. Um, because a lot of the, the mental health problems that we have are things that just build up over time and yeah. we don't deal with them appropriately. And then it's kind of like the, the old, uh, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, you know, you might've had all this little stuff building up over time. And then that one guy cuts you off in traffic and you completely blow your lid and, and you're, you're a totally different person at this point. Um, because it's just that one little thing, uh, that that broke the camel's back and and made you made you tip over that edge, but yeah. And you, you know, mentioned about the uh, it's not just you suffering through this; it's your yeah. relationships with everyone else. And as much as what you said was trying to wing it, all right, which why I would say I was trying to do hide everything by putting on the positive outlook. Yeah, these people they see through it, and yes. we think we're we're conning them, but they <laughs> see through it. And right. that's why the relationships get affected. Yes. Yeah, they do for sure. And, and, you know, for the, the people who have that, that mindset from like when we were younger and uh, everyone thought that if you were going to talk to a psychiatrist, you must be crazy and, and something is totally wrong with you. It, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's that, uh, you know, like in, in my case with the PTSD, the, the T is traumatic. Uh, something mm-hmm. the T and PTSD is tr- something that's traumatic. So it's the, your, your, your mind's way of reacting to an abnormal situation, which is a totally normal way to react to these situations. Mm-hmm. It's just that once when it reacts this way, you need a little help to, to get back to uh, rewire it to, to the way things yeah. Yeah. M- maybe used to be, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it, it's well, kind of like, back- Back to close to normal as possible. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when when you have uh, you know the old the old school switchboards where where the the ladies were the uh, the operators were were moving the, the cords around. Uh, it's like they they got plugged in the wrong cor- holes and yeah. things just got to get straightened back out and and my great grandmother right used to do that for uh, the phone company here where I live. Yeah, uh, yeah. doing the old switchboard thing. Yes, party right. lines and things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, well, I appreciate you. Uh, I know there's a lot more we can go into, but uh, I'm sure sad yeah. thing, but we've got uh, a limit on this time. But oh man, it's amazing, fascinating. Here's your book again, Surviving yeah. Sun. And uh, people would uh, uh, get a copy of it. You're looking at this, go get your copy of it and get more depth into the story. And from there, Scott, uh, tell everybody uh, your website, any social media, how people may be able to find you. Uh, if uh, somebody needs to talk from any other uh, veterans that need to express, maybe they can get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So my my podcast, I, uh, I sorry, I have a podcast uh, called the Drive On Podcast, and the website for that is driveonpodcast.com. And you can find all the social links on there and where you can subscribe to the podcast through that. Um, and as far as the book goes, you can get the book uh, through that that website, through the shop um, on there, or you can go to Amazon, uh, 
some that might be a little quicker to to get a, a book out to you um, if you're looking to get grab a copy. But yeah, so driveonpodcast.com and uh, Amazon are, are the the two uh, places to go for the Surviving uh, Sun book. Let me go back and ask this one other question. When you said you got done with college and you're yeah. out working and whatnot, then your younger brother end up uh, signing up, and then you find out that you know the the recruiting is down and you're you're going. Well, why in the hell is it down? And then you, then you yeah. thought I'm part of why it's down because I'm not doing it. So is it a combination of your brother and then remembering 9-11 uh, is why you went on and joined uh, or just being what the hell is going on here? I'm, I'm going to do my part now. And Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was definitely I, I wanted to do my part. Uh, to, yeah. to help out the country. Um, but then, you know, a little bit of the big brother in me was like, well, if, if my little brother is going to do this, there's no way I'm going to let him one up me. There you <laughs> and, go. That's uh, right. <laughs> so, the family so, competitive spirit. Exactly. So, and, and so that, that kind of pushed me over the edge a little bit too. And it got me to, um, got me to to join as well. And, and realistically, he sort of paved the path for me. He, he showed yeah. me, all of those unknowns, so those things that he didn't know about what basic yeah, training was exactly. like and what it was, you know, what, what the job was like and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he, he was able to tell me all that stuff. And so I had an easier time than he did just because yeah. I had a little bit more knowledge going into it than, than he did. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. all right. Hey, uh, appreciate it. And I'll link your website, any other social media down in the show notes, make it easier for people to uh, come find you and everything. And so Scott, again, appreciate you being here. Appreciate your service and everybody else again. Now, Scott, if you can do one last thing, we know people are hurting and struggling. If you can leave us with a piece of uh, information, a motivational tip, to help them get through today. That would be a, a blessing and awesome for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I like to tell people is that you have already survived a hundred percent of your bad, your bad days, even your absolute worst day, you've survived that. And if that day happens to be today, that today is your worst day. Well, guess what? Tomorrow's another day and, and tomorrow will be better than today. And, and it, each day after that will continue to get better if you work towards it. So don't give up, get the help if you need it, but definitely don't give up and, and keep, keep fighting another day. In the South, we tell people hang in like a hair and a biscuit. So, <laughs> so like all right, <laughs> there you go, Scott. Hey, thank you, man. I'm glad I got to meet you through this social media, all this new electronic stuff that we didn't have 40 years ago, boy. And, I'm glad this stuff has come along as, as it has. Again, it helps me meet new people, learn their stories to help me push out for other people. And again, because of you and others is why they would have had this podcast. And so but I appreciate all you've done and everything. I hope the best for you and your family and everybody else. And um, we'll go from there. Hey, everybody else, be sure to share us out. You know, someone needs some help. Someone needs some motivation, some tip so in some hope in their life so be sure to share this out to them everyone else do something today tomorrow something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis thanks for listening to the professor of perseverance podcast for motivation inspiration and encouragement for more information go to facebook at professor of perseverance visit the website at professor of and view the youtube channel dr james purdue professor of perseverance